Hey, Pharmacy Podcast Nation, Pharmacy Podcast Network. We couldn't save this show because of how excited I was to get Corey Jenks, Dr. Corey Jenks on the podcast. I was going to save it for one of the episodes upcoming of This Week in Pharmacy, which is our new talk show starting on January 6th. But uh, Corey promised me he's going to come back. So Corey, I am elated that you are here. The one and only Dr. Corey Jenks. Welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast. Thank you for having me. As you can see, I dressed up just like you. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm uh, I'm in toddler survival mode. So I appreciate your uh, your your humble ability to accept my uh, casual appearance today. That is fine. That is fine. I tell you, I'm you, I'm normally that way. I'd have a U.S. Farmy shirt on right now if it was just kind of the way I want to dress. Mm -hmm. I had my daughter's Christmas music program this morning and. Mm -hmm. Um, I dressed up a little bit. If you, you, for the podcast listeners out there can't see me, I have a red tie on white shirt. Um, my, uh, my new blazer that I got fitted. So it doesn't go down to my freaking thumbs and makes, makes me look like a short man that I am. So this <laughs> jacket actually make, because it's tailored, it makes me actually look taller. So I like it. Nice. So thank you. Thank you for yeah. coming. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm excited to to join you and chat about all things you, me, whatever we uh, happen to come across and talk well, about. This them. is absolutely about you. Uh, you've done things for quite some time now, and I can understand this. It's taken me 13 years to get here, and I feel like I'm just getting started. But you've been working the passion of your life, multiple things happening, including being a dad, which is my number one passion. I'm also a dad of four four daughters. I know what it's like. Although they're all out of diapers now, the the youngest is uh, is going to be eleven, so it's kind mm -hmm. of a more um, helicoptering every once in a while just to make sure that they're okay from afar. But um, it'll never stop. Once you're a dad, you'll always be a dad. Welcome to the club. Yeah, it's it's cool. I got a two and a four year old, so uh, two and four year old boys. So I uh, don't get much sleep or rest, but that's okay. I've been training for it my whole life. That's what all those push ups have been for. So. Exactly. So let's start at the beginning. Um, we like to know how how does someone look at the pharmacy profession from afar, probably from when obviously a lot younger and you're making educational decisions. Mm -hmm. What attracted you to being a pharmacist first? And then obviously you got slapped around with reality as it as it moved forward. Mm -hmm. um, but let's start at the beginning. Why why didn't why did you want to choose pharmacy? What was it about being a pharmacist? Well, plan A, I remember my chemistry teacher, junior high school, asked me what I, what I wanted to do with my life. And I said, I was going to be a pitcher for the Chicago Cubs. And she said, okay, I've seen you play. So what is your other plan um, <laughs> that you'll need? And, and she's like, have you thought about pharmacy? You really like chemistry. Her husband was in, in the pharma world. And I was like, you know, not haven't thought a ton about it, but I had a, a family friend that was a pharmacist that seemed to enjoy his work. I had another family uh, friend whose uncle was a pharmacist and it was in the heyday where they wouldn't let him retire because there were so few pharmacists. And then I think the ultimate thing happened senior year of high school, my mom had back surgery and the pharmacist at the hospital was the one that helped manage her pain the most. And I was like, oh, okay, I can, I can do, I, I see the, you know, the utility and the ability to touch people's lives. And uh, the joke I always also like to make is that I was not going to be doing fluid or holes. So doctoring or nursing was not going to be uh, in my plans because I am too squeamish. So um, math, science, chemistry uh, led me down the road to pharmacy. So that's at 17, I picked it. And that was uh, as of five days ago, um, like 19 years ago or something like that. I can't, I've lost count. So 
that's that's what got me on the road. And then I from there, I mean, I did pre-farm pharmacy in six years, got my farm D in six years. So um my wife's a nurse. Uh, God bless her. She now works at a um, maximum security prison, 2,200 inmates, all male. She has lots of uh, horrible stories that I wouldn't want to be involved in. Um, and, you know, just like you, never want to have to deal with blood or bodily fluids of any kind, like forget it. Um, yeah. But now now you're in a different reality. You jettison ahead. Mm -hmm. um, tell us about what you're doing in pharmacy right now before we get into the fun stuff. Sure. So I still practice as a pharmacist. I am an ambulatory care clinical pharmacist. So I spent uh, 11 years of my career uh, at, the, at, at the VA and I did inpatient, outpatient, ambulatory care. I've worked in retail, uh, but my passion lies in ambulatory care doing, uh, we call it in pharmacy, we call it chronic disease management and not to get too sidetracked, but I like chronic disease reversal. So I'm a big proponent of lifestyle interventions for managing mostly metabolic syndrome and their sequelae, diabetes, hypertension, lipids. So that's that's my practice. Um, I, It's a love-hate relationship because the love is when you see those people come off their meds. The hate is the frustration that a lot of pharmacists feel. It's just, it's hard working, uh, especially now in the private sector, dealing with all of the challenges and forces working on us. But that is what I love to do is to, is to kind of try to get people back their lives, get them off the meds, which is sort of ironic coming from a pharmacist. It's not... It's the future of pharmacy. You, you and I are now old enough, and you'll be able to say this for the rest of your life. You and I are part of a um, a new age of pharmacy. And when I use the word new age, I don't want people to think of fairy dust and magic, you know, crystal sauce and things like that. I'm talking about truly a new, a literal new age of the profession of pharmacy. And unfortunately, right now for you and I, Corey, we're kind of at the beginnings of that new age of pharmacy. So this is the tough road where we flip from prescription generated revenue and attention instead of the attention being around the script and the med for that matter. It's now going to become part of the the age of pharmacy where the the physician kicks off this treatment. The pharmacist grabs it the whole pharmacy team for that matter, because you're going to have specialists and things like that. And now you're going to literally make decisions to either carry on that treatment or combined other things as a pharmacist that you know is impacting that patient's overall health. And now mm -hmm. literally you might de-prescribe that patient, especially if they're comorbid and they have a bunch of medications they're on. You may make some decisions as a clinician to say, hey, um, we just changed your intake of calories. You're now on more magnesium. Uh, we're going to take down the Lipitor to 30 milligrams instead of 90, um, blah, 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 blah. I would make some horrible examples if I keep going because I'm a pretend. No, please, please keep listing drug doses that don't exist. That's great. See, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> See, you know it. But, and I can, but if I play, if I, if you play these podcasts to the layperson, they're like, Holy cow, this guy really knows pharmacy. I just know I'm a parrot. So I just know yeah, what honorary farm D. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Well, and that's and that's kind of my goal. And I, I have additional training as a metabolic health practitioner. So it's not like I'm just kind of freewheeling it. I, I've studied extensively uh dietary interventions so that when I'm speaking with a patient, I let them know that I'm a pharmacist, I have you know residency training, I have these board certifications, and I have this additional nutrition training. And you know, looking at that patient holistically, and like you say, we 
we get these patients on 15, 20, 25 medicines, and it's impossible for them to manage and forget trying to have me manage it. So um, yeah, that's, I mean, deep prescription is, is the niche I'm hoping to, to continue to fill um, in my day job and clinical practice for sure. It's awesome. Yeah. And I, I think that that will give pharmacists in specific communities, the option to become literal consultant pharmacists returning to the day and age where the physician was carrying a black bag and they would literally go right into the homes of people that weren't able to leave their home for a myriad of reasons and and diagnose and treat you know on premise mm-hmm. i see i see pharmacists they're already doing it walking into homes um under the you know the 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 realm of consultant pharmacists sometimes it is extension of a nursing home or assisted living facility but we know that pharmacy services are now going to be extended to the home we got things like remote patient monitoring automated dispensing systems that sit on the countertop of the of the patient's um, home and now um, and even pharmacists community pharmacists Corey, that are going to be attaching themselves to um nursing home like services that extend beyond medication management uh bathing cleaning you know all of these things that these people are in desperate need of because of the uh, the de- deterioration of nursing homes in communities and mm-hmm. and doing more from the home so the the road that you're talking about where you're going and the functional medicine aspect of this is going to fold right into consultancy pharmacy and i think there's a future in that for for pharmacists yeah and i think that would be great uh i i feel like i owe it after you know a decade of a profession where it was prescribed i feel like i owe it to people in the profession to like undo this. Uh, it's, I mean, it's a great business model. You get more money every time you dispense a med, but at what cost to the patient and their quality of life and, and all of that. So that's the, that's the sad, dark uh, reality of my, uh, of my day job. But the, the light at the end of the tunnel, as you say, is those opportunities to really make an impact on patients. And the, the best days I have in clinic are when I say we are stopping your insulin, we are stopping your uh, glipizide or saponareas, we're taking you off blood pressure medicines. And patients, I've yet to meet a patient who's like, no, I want to take more pills and give me more shots, right? Uh, no, no one likes to do it. I don't. And so it's, it's a, there's, the, there's, the, there's the darkness and the, the struggle, but there's those light days that keep you coming back to, to make that impact. It's awesome to hear. Well, what's, what's exciting about having you here specifically, and the reason is, you know, I could talk to you all day and ask you questions about your specific um, road in in your pharmacy career. And we could even dig down into the clinical and I could only probably go so far, but I would certainly make it sound interesting enough uh, mm-hmm. to dig down into um, hyperlipidemia and seniors over 66 years old and the titration of medication from one to the another jack inhibitors. See, <laughs> it makes it sound, if I'm telling you, if the average bear listened to that conversation, he'd be like, See, this guy knows what's going on. And you can pull that off at a party. You can see if you're especially like a New Year's party, it's a little late in the evening. People have had a couple of champagnes. Like you could pull off uh you can start talking the lingo. People would believe uh believe what you're saying. As long as you don't run to another pharmacist or a physician or something, you're good to go. And then it'll be like um uh what's it called? Honor. Uh when you when someone shows up and they're honorary degree. Yeah, they're wearing honorary PhD. (laughs) <laughs> Honorary PharmD. All right. So the reason why I have you here is isn't just because you're a pharmacist, my favorite provider, and what you do in pharmacy. And we can get back to that. It's the combination of you of, as a professional, as a person, and what you're doing 
Mm-hmm. And I have met most of the pharmacists that I'm working with either on special projects, series, or um, or even um, podcasts, upcoming podcasts. They always seem to have a passion on the side that's either a side business for them or uh, just something they love to do. We're talking about Dr. Blair Tielemeyer with her new chicken farm. The mm-hmm. woman is is growing a gargantuan chicken farm and going to have income that's going to be a business with her husband. I think that's crazy. That's on top of everything else that she's ever built. Mm-hmm. We have Dr. Christina Fontana, who went from community pharmacist to building her passion and helping other pharmacists. And now she has books and she has speaking engagements and she has coaching sessions. I mean, I could keep going on because everybody I deal with always has that side passion. Your side mm-hmm. passion is this extremely intelligent humor that you roll into um, your own experiences. And it's not just pharmacist driven, but you are a comedian. And I think that some of the, I think some of the funniest comedians that I have ever met are brilliantly intelligent and the, and the being able to get into the psyche of your audience and being able to think about human beings and what they're going through. And then having enough empathy and kind of charisma to tie in comedy in lies, in my opinion, as some of the greatest comics and comedians out there ever. And so I want to hear that side of your world. How in the world did you say at one point, you know what, I want to give this a go. I want to become a a comedian. Well, one one day I looked in the mirror and said, you know, Corey, you're really intelligent. You're really humble. <laughs> you would make a great kid now. Uh, so for the record, we don't have a chicken farm. We have seven chickens uh, started with 12. Uh, so not quite hey, a almost a chicken. Farm, huh? Almost a chicken. Almost enough to feed my, my you gotta, toddler. You um, got to talk with Blair. Yeah, I know. I, I don't want any more chickens. That's enough for me with what I got going on. So how do I get into comedy? Well, I had a TV in my room growing up for better or worse. So I spent every night watching the Simpsons and then every weekend was Saturday night live. And every Monday, this was, I'm old enough to remember when you couldn't just Netflix a show, you had to watch a show concurrently with the rest of society. So there wasn't a thing. Older. I was like, spoiler alert. It bunny was like ears, bunny ears on top of the TV that I had to get the signal in. So that's how old I am. Yeah. So every Monday it was, what did you see on SNL? What was on the Simpsons impersonating? And I just loved comedy. It was fun. I mean, comedy by, by nature, you're laughing, you're enjoying yourself. You're actually smiling. Um, I got to college uh, freshman year, they had an improv comedy group there. Uh, you know, I grew up watching Whose Line Is It Anyway too, and so I went to the show, and it was part of part of the like clubs of school. And I was like, "This is amazing!" And so, what did I do? Logically, I said I have to focus on my studies, and I put that on the back burner for for seven years. So I got my farm I did my residency, and I, when I was done with that, I had this amazing thing called free time. And my wife was starting nurse practitioner school, so she was going to grad school. And my birthday was coming up, and it was her first birthday. She had to buy something for me. So I, she asked what I wanted. I said, well, I either want improv classes or a guitar lesson. And if you've heard me noodle on the guitar, you probably know what I ended up doing. Uh, so I just, it was 10 years ago, actually, this January that I took my first class and took another class. And fortunately here in Tucson, it was a new theater. Uh, at that point, it was like, you have a pulse and you've been to class, you want to perform? And I was like, sure, my wife's busy. So it just kind of snowballed into performing. And then I ended up teaching, uh, coaching, running the comedy school for a while for our theater. And then I kind of reached a point when we had our first son in 2018 that I love performing with my, my, my friends, but I had limited time. And if I wanted in, I wasn't going to move to like Chicago or New York or LA to like pursue a career in comedy. How could I push this comedy that I've learned? And I kind of, um, 
I read a book by Scott Adams and I forget the specific one, but this idea of talent stacking where you, you know, I'm a pretty good pharmacist. I'm a pretty good comedian, but who who's doing those things together. And I realized that also that as I did improv, I became a better pharmacist because improvisation is just all it is, is listening, communication, empathy, responding, living in the moment, things that we, that pharmacists unfortunately can struggle with. And so 2019, I set off to start speaking to groups and 2020 was going to be my year. I was going to really hit the road. And of course that didn't happen and I had to improvise. And so, um, you know, in that time I wrote my book, Permission to Care, Building a Healthcare Culture that Thrives in Chaos, available at all fine bookstores. Yes. But, uh, we'll have a link so in the I, show notes. Yeah. So I, I, and I, through that process, I realized how much I love writing. And so at this point, what I do is I have my book, I go work with groups and speak to audiences. I was just at ASHP mid-year, had a really fun interactive uh, talk there where I got pharmacists speaking, getting uncomfortable, getting, you know, being, being funny. I promise pharmacists are funny because <laughs> we're intelligent that's and, right. uh, and just trying to create that healthcare and culture that's much more adaptable, empathetic and humanizing. Um, because I think we've all had those experiences, whether it's a doctor, pharmacist, nurse, where we don't feel listened to, and it really hurts and it destroys that experience. And so my mission really is to, you know, I can't change a diagnosis. I can't change insurance. I can't change our healthcare system because that's another book that's way less funny than mine, <laughs> but I can help build that culture where regardless of what happens with that patient, their family, they feel listened to, they feel taken care of, um, so that, so that we don't, you know, we just kind of make healthcare suck a little bit less to, to be a little bit candid. Yeah, I need to get your book uh, listed on our um, book section. We feature books, so uh, definitely um, let's let's get it on the list, and let's also make a a time for a review of it. I would like to bring you back and and kind of get into the book and what your sure. philosophies are, as well as a follow up for your your next book and next things that that you're going to be doing. Um, You've been reading I, my diary. I I have an, I have another book uh, in my head in the I, in the works is a very loose way of putting it, but I have the I have an outline and all the chapters for it, and it's not a pharmacy book, so it's uh, that's see the expansion uh, of people and and other things as it should be. Mm -hmm. So and and through that process too, I, I started writing a newsletter three times a week called "Get Through Your Shift," and it's just the opposite of a book. It's it's something you can read in two or three minutes. You get to the pharmacy, you have a couple minutes instead of doom scrolling the internet and getting angry. Uh, you could read this three times a week and get a little knowledge, wisdom, and humor to to help you. Because I just I realized like I, I was not done with ideas to write. So that's you know you talk about everyone's got a little thing that they love to do. Some people you tell them to write an essay and they like freak out. I'm like okay cool. Let me I can bang out. You know, a couple paragraphs, no problem. And, and I really get a lot of, I get a lot out of it. And I, people who have read it, my few loyal readers have seemed to enjoy it as well, too. That's awesome. Creativity is a whole side that exercises our brain in other ways that other things can't. And I just, I love it. That's why I love what I do now, because I always get to kind of look at how do we um, amplify what a pharmacist is saying through social media and through creative um creative means that keep people's attention long enough to understand what you're talking about with the attention deficit society that we're in. Yeah. Um, talk to me about social media. How have you used social media? Has it, what, what platform is your favorite platform? I'm going to age myself. Um, I love Twitter. I started using it in 2008 mm -hmm. and, um, uh, it, you know, it's a, one of the older guys platforms, but talk to me about social media in, in what you've been doing. If I had to describe it in one word, it would be begrudgingly <laughs> because, yeah. because I just, I, I think I, I, 
I get very self-conscious when I ask someone to buy a book of mine or to read a post of mine, because I know I am not only with my book, I'm taking their money. Um, they're giving me their money. I'm not taking it. It's, it's yeah. a willing transaction, but they're also giving me the most important resource they have, which is time. And so when it comes to social media, I'm, I want to be very careful about what I'm putting out there, that it's not just like, I, I try to be funny here and there, but that I'm providing some value. So I would say that I post regularly on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Um, and usually, you know, 60% of it is just my post for that day, that uh, my writing post. Um, I'm on Twitter and I kind of use Twitter more for my uh, clinical side. I do use it for professional interactions, uh, discussions, yeah. you know, there. Uh, then Instagram, LinkedIn, and, and Facebook are, uh, I kind of post concurrently with um, whether it's a post from my blog uh, or newsletter. Uh, sometimes it's a sharing a podcast. Sometimes it's a quote from someone who's attended one of my sessions. And then I try to work in, I've been told that the people like my, people like videos of me. Um, I don't like watching videos of myself, but apparently people, people respond to it. So I'll put some videos out there. It might be a thought I have in my head, something I've experienced at work. Um, I have a couple coming out at the end of 20, you know, as you listen to this, whenever you listen to it, end of 22 sort of reflections back and my predictions for 2023 uh, with a little wink and a nod that uh, what can we really predict? Um, but that's just using that improv mindset of, of sort of accepting reality and letting go of control, uh, which pharmacists have a hard time doing. Uh, I kind of use that perspective uh, to try to bring the comedy. And then occasionally you'll see a picture of me as a kid and people really seem to like that, especially my mom. She comments on every one of those. <laughs> great that's so I, and i would say that the the one area that i that i struggle with most with my book like people are like oh writing a book must be so hard writing a book i enjoyed it i really did not have a problem coming up with the words and then people say oh but then they edited it that must really hurt your ego nope these are professionals i love my publisher listen to everything they said the hardest part was promoting myself um because i just again i get a little self-conscious about that you know that towing that line of self-promotion versus narcissism that we can that many people in social media fall into so yeah. and i'm sorry i've taken us on a bit of a tangent there but no. <laughs> but i do i do love i do love the interactions i get from people and the responses i get um, I, the, my small audience is very kind and very supportive and i'm very fortunate for that um would i love a bigger one sure it just means i get to meet reach more people with my message but I'm not freaking out about followers at this time. I do my best to slowly play the game. Like you've been doing this for 13 years. I've been at it, you know, three and I'm pretty, pretty happy with, if I look back on where I want to be, I'm frustrated. But if I look back three years ago, I'm like, holy crap, I wrote a book and I've spoken to like thousands of people. Sweet. Uh, we're, we're, we're on the right path. It was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Social media is, um, it's fun sometimes, but it's also a lot of work. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I was a one man band until 2019. Mm -hmm. um, and now I have people helping me with editing and creation and a little bit of social media marketing, but I'm still the, the primary of, mm -hmm. you know, Twitter, of Instagram, of the occasional TikTok. the, and each of them have different personalities. What I really yeah. liked what you said, Corey, was where, what platform you were using for different things. And mm -hmm. I agree. Uh, you know, LinkedIn is my very extremely professional um, interaction with not only pharmacists primarily, but people in the entire healthcare spectrum, let alone just general professionals in general that that mm -hmm. respect each other. And, and I think it's a controlled environment. I think it's the last of social media that's still 92% professional. Yeah. Um, every once in a while, you see a squeak in of somebody using it to Facebooky. Um, yeah. I think I think LinkedIn should create a little button 
that if you think the post is too Facebooky that you could press it and it kind of like, and then, you know, it's almost like an algorithm where it gives it less attention if it starts, yeah. starts to happen more often or something like that. Yeah. Have but, a send um, to MySpace button. Yeah. Send to MySpace. That's right. Yeah. And then, you know, Twitter, I think it, what, what I like about it is I can always attach something to support maybe a comment I made or the reason that I'm stating it from someone else's tweet or even a pdf or a video i just think for me it was that it was the friendliest whereas you know instagram you don't feel like you have as much control or power until you hit ten thousand followers mm -hmm. and then and then just until a year and a half ago they didn't have a way to put links on your post now in a story you can put a link but to in your post you technically can't put a link in your in your post unless you yeah. once again get over i think 10,000 followers, or maybe not even then. So yeah. each, each platform now, TikTok, which is the fastest growing one, and it's questionable from a security perspective and, and, you know, and, and in different ways that it's used is different. And so I think social media, each of the platforms have a slightly different strength in the spot in where you use it, why you use it. And right now, if I count my fingers, that's one, two, three, four, five, that's five platforms that like, not only is that too, too many, um, but please don't give me any more. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And I have someone helping me with my social media too. So if you're like, Corey, your posts are really pretty. It's like, yeah, someone helped me <laughs> make them pretty. Outsourcing. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we've, and, we've, yeah. It's time. Yeah. And, I, yeah, and it's, it's, you know, someone like yourself who's creative, it's like, you only have so much brain power. So if you can focus on the things that are going to propel your creativity and someone helps you with those, I would... <laughs> The necessary, I won't say evil parts of the business where you have to promote yourself on, on the channels. I think that's great for providing opportunities for others. And it's it's for me, I think people will get more value if I have my brain power focused on writing something interesting and helpful than if I'm trying to figure out how to format an Instagram post. It's just the the nature of things uh that that you know I've found has really improved the quality of my life is is helping getting help with that. So I, I said a little while ago about how we're in a state of new age, and I really think that our profession's transforming in many ways, including mm -hmm. the technology of, of the management of, of pharmacist interaction at the hospital setting, mm -hmm. at the consultant setting. We see consultant programs coming out, digital health, where now pharmacists are part of that digital therapeutic ongoing monitoring of data and outcome and how to use that data. So there's a lot of things happening. What is the one aspect from your perspective about the transformation of pharmacy that you think more pharmacists need to pay attention to? And an example is provider status, PBM reform, um, collaborative care, um, you know, whatever. But I want it to come from your, your vision because your vision is different than mine. I have this extremely wide standing vision of the entire universe of pharmacy. Mm -hmm. You are literally in the trenches doing it every day for real. So mm -hmm. I think your vision sometimes, uh, most pharmacist visions in comparison to mine are a lot more succinct. So uh, I want to I want to hear yours. So I will come at it with two biases. Uh, one is that I work in ambulatory care. So I'm doing that, you know, long term blood pressure, diabetes management. Uh, the other is that my wife's a nurse practitioner doing a similar, uh, addressing similar lifestyle issues, working for sort of a startup tech company. Uh, and she's, her company uses like a, it's a, rem a totally remote delivered healthcare. And so for me as a pharmacist, 
I can spend 20, 30, 40, you know, on a slow day, 50 minutes with the patient talking about diet, lifestyle interventions, exercise, and I'm, sc I'm scaling to one person. So for me as a pharmacist, I love the world of remote monitoring where, and this is, you know, every company, there's companies that are doing it. There's one that are trying to do it where instead of having to have those like face-to-face -to -face touch points, 30 minutes, patient drives, comes in, spills the carbon in the atmosphere, sits in a waiting room, lights are on, we're paying for the lights. It's like they can sit at home, type in their blood sugars into an app. I see it and I can make a, I can make a med adjustment. I can send them a message. Oh, that looks like this. Let's we're, we're going to lower your, your Lantus insulin today by five units. You're doing awesome. Keep it up. Or it seems like you're having some struggles or you're having some stress or sleep issues. And you can have a larger panel and have a larger impact as a single pharmacist, we'll say provider uh, or consultant for a physician's office. Mm -hmm. um, like again, you know, if you're, if you work at a, a retail pharmacy and you're up to your ears and 500 scripts a day, you're probably yelling into your phone, like Corey, you don't get it. And I'm like, and I want, reform and improvement there. So I, I just want to let other pharmacists know, like I'm in a very fortunate, unique position. And I, I realize the struggle every time I call a retail pharmacy, but like a prior auth or something like you guys have the hardest, toughest, think most thing you're the offensive line of pharmacy. And I want to thank you right now for that. But if I had to, in my little niche of the world, make it, make a change or something to be aware of, it's that remote monitoring potential, because you're going to be able to take care of a larger panel of patients with more efficiency. Uh, I want to make sure that we're not going crazy, working ourselves to death. And I think that that remote algorithmic driven uh, care um, is important. Uh, and I say this ironically as the empathy, you know, communication guy, you're kind of taking the face to face out of it. But we have a lot of very sick people chronically, and we just don't like, have enough doctors, nurses, pharmacists to do it in our current way of doing it. So I love the way of you can get an umbrella of a lot of patients and and monitor them in real time and make those those changes in a much more efficient way. That is the patient likes staying home. We could do farm, you know, you can do pharmacy from your butt in your, in your bed if you want to. Mm -hmm. uh, and at the end of the day, what's the most important thing is patients get better. They're happy. And then as a pharmacist, we're happy with our jobs, both with the, what we're doing and the, how we're doing it. Hey, what instrumentation in a remote setting when you're doing a, video consult for example with the with a patient mm -hmm. what um instrumentation is fluid now where you can get accurate blood pressure reading um i know that we have the the eye watch or the you know the apple watch i know that we have instrumentation but what are you seeing as as the ones that are rolling out most common and then what do you see in the future coming more instrumentation so we can do more remote remote patient monitoring and and uh, treatment for me, it's continuous glucose monitor. It's a game changing piece of technology because you can hook them up and I won't use specific companies here, but there's many different companies doing it and they have their own systems of real time monitoring where I can just boop, 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 log in. They're part of, they've logged into our system. They've connected. So their, their phone can act as their sensor. It sends it right to the cloud. I see every day, real time, like what their blood sugars are doing. That to me is that, that opportunity for that instrumentation. And then down the, down the way, like, I mean, we have fridges that are like smart fridges now. So we're going to have Bluetooth in scales. We'll have Bluetooth in blood pressure costs. We'll have the blue, you know, and pardon yep. me for my ignorance of what, what we already have or don't have. I'm, I, right. I worked in a silo for 11 years and I'm just now seeing the, the private world and some of the different toys and tools that there are, yeah. but having that, that technology embedded in all of these different monitoring systems so that it just feeds it right into something. So the patient isn't 
taking out their paper, writing it down, spilling their coffee on it, bringing it in, putting it on my desk, interpreting the coffee stained numbers on it, right? It's it's just boom, right all there in a nice, clean, easy way to, to review. Yeah, you, you won't uh, shout out a, a CGM, but I will because they're part of the network. Uh, Dexcom actually pushes their podcast through us. And mm -hmm. I think that they're fascinating. And I'm not saying that they're the absolute end all be all best all. But I'll tell you what, that team and those people, they work so hard at delivering technology and solutions to healthcare providers. And, and they're really fond of pharmacists too. So I, I can't help but to favor them. And mm -hmm. it's just amazing hearing the stories. You know, what's more amazing than hearing some of their clinical stories and some of the content that they have is take a, take a listen to it. It's, it's good stuff. But the, the podcast that I enjoy the most is when the patient comes on and the caregiver for this for this matter and they actually tell the stories about how this has helped them live with they say i feel like i'm back to normal i feel like mm -hmm. i can be freedom again and i don't have to worry about my four-year-old you know going to the refrigerator and making sure everything's right and this mm -hmm. woman that we interviewed had a, a, a husband and two children uh with diabetes and having to manage or help to manage all of that before the world of um of uh, the combination of Dexcom and Omnipod and all of this new technologies that are coming out. I just think in the hands of pharmacists, this is, this is the time. This is the time to leverage what you're saying about remote patient monitoring, remote patient care. There's a whole um, ability now to build your own practices in your own communities, you know, using stuff like that. But I mm -hmm. liked hearing, um, I liked hearing that from you because that, that means that technology deserves and needs to be expanded in pharmacy care with the pharmacist behind it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, as you say, we're in the early days, so it's hard with getting over that previous paradigm. And it's, I have two brains, the part that's like, Oh, come on, just let me use it now. Everyone should get one. And the other part's like, it's hard to turn a cruise ship on a dime. So having the, the grace and the patience to appreciate when you get the toys and the tools to use, and then also realizing that, We've managed to do this without these toys and tools for decades. So let's make the most of what we have and what we can. And that's for me uh, and what I do in trying to, to approach that empathetic and listening side of things is I could, if I could slap a, a CGN on someone, but if I don't figure out their why or what they care about or what their goals are, then it's pointless. But if I can connect with them and they trust me to appropriately adjust medicines and to listen to them, now we've taken a, a really cool tool and we've given it rocket fuel to be even more effective. And that's, you know, that's, that's what I write about. That's what I speak about is uh, we spend so much freaking money on healthcare. And it seems like we do a lot of like spinning our wheels or running in quicksand. And it sounds, you know, there's a million kinds of expensive, complicated reforms, but living in the moment and listening to that human being in front of you, it should be the first thing that everyone works on that everyone can do and can be taught. Yeah. Yeah. That's the care of healthcare. <laughs> um, that's the part that sometimes gets overlooked, especially by, you know, I liked your analogy of the of trying to turn the ship, this enormous mm -hmm. profession of pharmacy, uh, this big, huge, I look at it more of a cargo ship than a, than a passenger ship, but this big yeah. cargo, because each of the cargoes that are on there are different facets of the industry. Mm -hmm. And the currents under the ship are trying to keep that ship from turning because yeah. the currents, which are like our payment systems, for example, they don't want to give up the revenue. They want to keep it transactional. They mm -hmm. want to keep it commodity. 
and they want to rinse and repeat so that it's all about the money. And unfortunately, the money side of our healthcare industry has really kept um, our passionate physicians, our passionate nurses, our amazing, my most amazing favorite pharmacist out there from really doing what they wanted to do from the beginning in their heart of hearts. And mm -hmm. I, I, but like I said, this is part of this new age because I, I, I see pharmacists taking back the industry. Um, mm -hmm. Our associations are making huge leaps and bounds of progress in comparison. I came in pharmacy in 2004 and we were nowhere near where we are today with things like provider status and PBM reform and, and really pharmacists taking leads in, in specific disease states, pharmacogenomics, which I could talk about all day long. Mm -hmm. uh, not in the weeds though, please don't tell me what a P1215 near niner BB um, you know, is because I don't know what that means or he'll fool me. I, I don't, I've not dipped my toe into pharmacogenomics very much. <laughs> so I did a elective and that was 18 years ago. So yeah. or 16 years ago. So uh, if you can believe it, I don't remember everything I learned. In pharmacy. <laughs> so well, um, what's next? What are, what's on the horizon? We're going to try to get this episode out before um, I know it's coming out before 2022. We'll have you probably out, uh, you know, mid or end of uh, end of December. But for Corey Jenks, Dr. Jenks, what's going on with your life in 2023? 2023? Well, uh, you've heard it here first. We're <laughs> adding to the kid collection next year. So that's, ah, uh, that's where we're collecting. Awesome. We're, we're getting a daughter. So you have four daughters. We've got two boys. We're getting a daughter. So uh, congratulations um, so that, that adds a little uh spice to the, the to the mix of, of the next year but for, the world's for me about next to year, be rocked again it was rocked as being a first dad and yeah. then the second dad kind of the second kid uh changed the dynamic and now all of a sudden the tornado will come for a while and yeah sure <laughs> so that that'll be fun um otherwise for me my you know next year for me is continuing to promote my book continue to get out there and speak um, to other organizations, to other groups. I had a great year speaking this year. It's probably my, my one of my favorite things to do, uh, you know, aside from my family. <laughs> Professionally is get out there and um, see and get in front of groups and to play with others. So what we do when I speak, I have options to speak to groups and I have options to play with groups. Uh, and I, I get your groups, I get people playing along, doing the improvisation. So that's that's what I'm really hoping to push in 2023 in addition to uh, writing another book. Um, Cause you know, I, I, I have the ideas and I enjoy it and why not uh, get those ideas out there on paper and try to help some people with it. That's so, cool. and then continuing to practice too. Like I'm still a, ph still a pharmacist. So uh, you know, continuing my, I actually cut the part-time. So I have a little more time with my kids and more time for Ventures such as this, having getting on podcasts, getting in front of people, getting getting that writing in. So, but I, I'm fortunate to still have a, a practice where I get to do the things that I'm passionate about. And so that's beyond that. Uh, there's a whole lot of unknowns that we all get to face. But the cool thing about being an improviser is we we relish the unknown uh, because everything is unknown in front of us. We just have to listen, react, and uh, see yes to that moment. That is so true. If you're watching us on YouTube, um, you're seeing CoreyJenks.com. If you're listening to us on your favorite podcast platform, we're all over the place. Apple, Spotify, Google, um, Pan, Panera, Panera, yeah, we're at Panera too. Um, Pandora, goodness. Yeah, if you're eating your sandwich, we'll be there as well. They'll play us through your speakers. We don't have that contract yet. 
<laughs> um, CoreyJenks.com. It's C-O-R-Y-J-E-N-K-S.com. Corey, yeah. this has been an absolute um, honor and treat to finally interview you. I fi- thank you so much for being here. And I have to have you back on This Week in Pharmacy because I have ideas that mm-hmm. we could do a feature of you and updating us with some of that, taking your newsletter and I'm gonna put a I'm gonna put a word in the dictionary someday and it's called audio ties. Okay. Take the written word and literally audio ties it. So I'd like to audio ties your newsletter. Maybe we cool. can work on that for this week in pharmacy. That'd be great. Uh I am uh I love the creative outlets. Uh any opportunity that I that anyone's willing to share with my book, my newsletter, my speaking, uh I'm grateful for it. That's, uh, you know, that's what the improviser's mind is. There's no such thing as mistakes. They're all gifts. We say yes to them. And so thank you for having me. Thank you for sharing me with your audience to trust me to to come on here. And uh, if you're listening, I hope you've enjoyed it. If you've never heard of me before, it's a pleasure meeting you. It's been a pleasure meeting you uh, on the internet. Please connect with me, my website. uh, As he said, my my parents were cheap. They didn't buy a vowel. No E in Corey. Uh, but if you connect with me on LinkedIn or any of the other socials, um, I will get to you. I'm in the middle, uh, as of December 15th, I'm doing a Thanksgiving to Christmas, a no go on social media. So I have someone posting my stuff and I'm trying to reset those dopamine receptors and, uh, <laughs> live in the moment a little bit more. So if Good. you've sent me something and I haven't got back to you, I will, uh, it's not cause I don't like you. It's cause I'm trying to love myself more. That's good. That's good. It's yeah. time. It's good to have family time. I have to do that. I'm guilty of not doing that enough Mm -hmm. so thank you thank you so much listeners thank you pharmacists thank you pharmacy technicians thank you pharmacy professionals remember pharmacy 50 the 50 most influential uh pharmacy professionals profession for people that are just passionate about our industry we're still taking votes our voting will go until december 26th and with that i say have a very blessed holiday season. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. And we can't wait to talk to you uh, next year, Corey. Thank you. Thank you.